Okay, we're in Galatians chapter 3. Um, we're just following on. Those of you who've been following this, um, we are at verse between verses 15 and 22 today. And the title of this, the, the subject for this afternoon is The Law and Its Purpose. The Law and Its Purpose. I should maybe just mention at the moment that You've probably already seen it as we've been going through Galatians. There is obviously an overlap in a lot of what we're covering. So um, I won't apologise because uh, if that happens, then we take it as the will of the Lord. And uh, he wants it said twice. Uh, sometimes we need it more than twice to get it really stuck in our minds and hearts anyway. Um, we'll read the section together. Uh, and then I want to split it into... Two, um, because although the subject is the law and its purpose, uh, when we read the passage, you'll see that it's the promise. <coughs> it's the promise that we need to deal with first of all. Uh, the promise of God given to Abraham and comparing it with the, the law given to Moses and to look at them both and see how they apply to us today. So let's read the section first of all. So it's Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scriptures declare that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. The reference at the beginning of our reading to Abraham and the promise, you can read in Genesis and the story it goes through various chapters in God's dealings with Abraham. 
Abraham, if you go to chapter 12, where it starts, where Abraham was called of God. And because of his obedience, and it's always remarkable, and again, I might be covering what's been said before, but Abraham was remarkable, and God recognised his uniqueness because he was a man of property, a man of wealth, living in a sinful modern at that time city of Ur and he was called to leave it behind not just to leave all his wealth and all that behind but to leave his family behind and he heard the call of God and he went and God reckoned it unto him as righteousness because of the faith of Abraham then in some ways we can look at it we are here (laughs) Because it's, in many ways, it started with him. Although everything starts with God. And I don't mean to demean that, diminish that in any way. But God used Abraham. And because of his faith, he called him. And he made him a promise that because of his faith, he was going to, if you like, reward him. He was going to use him. That through him was going to come a very important person, which is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we in Christ are all seeds of Abraham. But of course, what's referred to here is the seed of Abraham, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we who are in Christ become offspring of Abraham. So that's a link. When we go into chapters uh, 15, chapter 17 of Genesis, chapter 21 of Genesis, time and time again, the Lord made the promise to Abraham that he took him out and he showed him the stars and the sky and the, the, the grains of sand by the seashore. And he said, so shall your offspring be. Indicating, of course, that they were innumerable. They were uncountable. They were (coughs) immense. And this was the promise. Now, the promise was also mentioned in chapter uh, 17. In fact, let's just read it. Genesis 17. And verse 19. Then God said, Yes, your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And then on to chapter 21 of Genesis and verse 12. But God said to him, Do not be distressed about the boy, that was Ishmael, and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also. 
Isaac had, sorry, Abraham had two sons. He had Ishmael, who was Hagar's son, who was a bond servant. And so Ishmael was of the line of the bond servant. Isaac was the offspring of Sarah, and Isaac was of the spirit. The reason Isaac was of the spirit, of course, was that Sarah was past childbearing age. And so therefore it was a miracle that she was able to give birth. So it was of the spirit. It was of God. And that's the, the, the importance of that when we're dealing with the spirit, when we're dealing with the promise, the covenant of the promise, and comparing it with the, the, the law, we're dealing with two separate things here. And the promise is of God. It's a covenant between God and God's seed. God's seed being Isaac who came from Abraham and down through the line to Christ. And so the covenant, the promise is between God and God. It's a covenant between God and Jesus Christ who is God. And so when you come to the promise, it's a covenant between two, uh, two immovable things that cannot be broken and is perfect. It's the perfect promise. So when we then think about, well, where does Isaac fit into this? Is that you go back to the story, and it was interesting that if you were listening to Gid's Thanksgiving this morning, that he talked about Abraham and Isaac going up Mount Moriah. Uh, it's, a, it's often a, a subject that we refer to in, uh, in remembrance because it's a lovely picture of the shadow, we call it, the picture of Christ going to the cross, of the father taking his son up the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice. And that's exactly what Calvary is, of course, is that God the Father took his son up the hill, the same hill, Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, Mount Zion, took him up there to offer him as a sacrifice at Calvary. And what was the, the connection? Well, the connection was that it would be through the seed of Abraham that uh, the promise of eternal life, the promise of eternity would come. The promise of the eternal glory that would come to the future generations, not just the Jews, but to all the nations who would be blessed according to this. But first of all, it had to be through the sacrifice of the one and only son. And of course, the picture is of Isaac, although he was not sacrificed, it was as if he was, because it was, it was a shadow. It was the picture of the coming saviour. He went up and Abraham was prepared to offer him as a sacrifice. And that was, again, the tremendous faith of Abraham, because tells us in Hebrews that 
the reason why he did it was he believed that when he killed Isaac, God would somehow bring him back to life again. He believed that. Such was his faith, the faith of the man, that he was prepared to do that. His one and only son, the one that he knew God had promised with seed would come from, uh, he was prepared to kill. So although God stopped him and the ram was taken in its place and offered up in its stead, it was still the faith of the man that gives us a beautiful picture of this promise. This was uh, the picture that this promise would go be through Isaac, the one who was sacrificed. And so when we come to today, the promise of God is through Jesus Christ, who was sacrificed on the cross at Calvary. And that is the only way that that covenant, the covenant of promise, will take place and will be fulfilled in its entirety uh, all because of Jesus Christ but it's given to Abraham as the one who would through his faith and through his obedience to God would show forth the future it's a lovely picture and I know we, we often talk about it about this picture of the father taking his son to die. It's again, it, I think it's, it, it's important for us when we, particularly when we are in the remembrance, but also when we're in private meditation, just to meditate on the thought of the mind of God <coughs> as to what he was going through. Think about it in human terms, if you like, with Abraham and Isaac. And that was the purpose of that, of course, is to try and help. What was Abraham thinking about? Going to kill his only son and then transfer it to the mind of God as to what was he thinking about when he took his son up Calvary's hill and killed him. That is to give us some attempt at trying to get into the mind of God, to appreciate, so that from it can flow thanksgiving, that we are grateful, eternally grateful, to the God of heaven for giving his son in this special way. And the promise was made thousands of years ago. And we can still enjoy it today. Isaac was born from the power of the Spirit. And I think that again is a picture of Christ. You know that when Abraham attempted to um, preempt things by um, impregnating uh, Sarah's slave, Hagar, and producing a son, that, that he had to be told that was not God's plan that the seed would not come from the slave woman. It would come from God. And it was a miracle that it happened. And that foreshone the fact that Christ came from heaven. Christ came from the Immaculate Conception. Christ was born of a virgin. 
it was of the Spirit. And of course, the perfection of Christ is because he was God. And so when he presented himself as a sacrifice on the altar at Calvary, he was a perfect sacrifice. And therefore the promises of God could be fulfilled through him. So Isaac was just a shadow. And here it's referred to in this portion that we're reading when we're looking at it and saying that this, this is what we need to establish. It's first of all, the, and he's establishing it with the Galatian churches, that this is what you need to focus on, is the promise that you are saved by the grace <coughs> of God. That is fundamental basic truth that we've been saying I think every one of us that have been up here talking as we've started from going through Galatians this was the battle this was what Satan was trying to uh, upset this was what he was trying to put into the minds of the the saints in these churches saying no you need the law and what, what Paul's teaching and he's Going back to the Old Testament, he's showing through the, uh, the Genesis scripture, some of which we've just referred to, that this, the promise, is something that is solid, solid foundation, because it's of the Spirit, and it cannot be contaminated, and it cannot be of the law as well. So, it's, he finishes that section in then verse uh, 18 that in 19 that the the promise was not of the, the law was not put in effect through the promise the promise had been done beforehand the law was put into effect through angels by a mediator now when we come to the law we think that when Moses received it from God you actually read in the New Testament that it was from angels and that Moses was a mediator and that the angels, through the power of God, gave the, the law to Moses. Moses wrote it out and presented it to the people of Israel and the people of Israel said, we will do that. So we're now dealing with something that's different from the promise. As I said, the promise was between God and God. The Godhead and God the Son, this was, that this was secure and a, a, a solid foundation. The law of Moses was not. The law of Moses was given through a mediator and it was between God and the people of Israel or God and man. And therefore this covenant then is dependent <coughs> on the two sides holding to what they've been given. And man is full of sin and therefore is incapable of maintaining this. Moses was the mediator and he had the job and it was a hard job right at the beginning. You read about with Israel that he tried desperately hard to uh, uh, deliver it and then to maintain through uh, the people of Israel that they would maintain and, and follow the law that the Lord had given them. So we come back to then what is the law and what is its purpose? The law 
was a rule of life. It was not a means of life. It was a rule of life. It was not a means of life. The means of life came from the promise. The promise of the seed. The seed being Christ. That was life. And that is what he had already established. The law was something that was introduced in order uh, that there would be a knowledge of sin. Now we can read about that in Romans 3 and 20. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. <clears throat> Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That was the purpose of the law. It was with a view to, it was given to mankind to try and see this is the demands of a holy God. If you want to live by the law, then you'll be judged by the law. And if you go through the law and try and keep it from the moment you're born to the moment you die, and you never once break a single one of them, you still will not be righteous. So what's the purpose of it? The law was given until the seed comes. I think that you know the, the, we sometimes we question God. <laughs> Not say sometimes we always question God, because sometimes we think we know better than God, and you think, well, why did He wait? If He made the <laughs> promise to Abraham, why does He wait four hundred and thirty years and then give another law, and then wait a few thousand years? before the seed comes. And then why does he wait 2,000 years and he's still not come? Why, why, why? Who are we to question God? God wants us to trust him. And it's a trust like Abraham had, that God said, kill your son and Abraham you read about just took his son and off he went to do it that is crazy in our minds but it shows the depth of faith and trust that man had in his God we are only being asked to exercise even a fraction of that in our lives that God the supreme creator of the world has made a promise and he's kept it in part he sent his son who has died and borne our sins and he said he will come again for us and we will live for eternity in heaven is he a liar do we accept that of course if we don't believe if we don't trust that then, of course, everything else falls apart. 
Where has God let mankind down? Where has he not fulfilled his promise? And his timing, we need to accept, is perfect. So when the law was given, what were the purposes of the law? Well, let's just look at um, Psalm 119. (coughs) And the very first verse of Psalm 119 reads, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those, are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. The Lord wanted to give the law, first of all, to his people, Israel, with a view to them if they kept it, then it would be a help to them in their pathway because they were also of the promise. Uh, They were a people of the promise that if they believed on the, the seed that was coming, this period of time, then if they kept the law and they had that desire in their heart, then he would honor them, he'd bless them. I think the time when the Lord Jesus was here on earth, you know, somebody asked him, you know, uh, which of the law or the laws of God is the most important? And his answer was love. Of all the laws, and there was 630 of of, uh, different laws, there was te- broken down into the Ten Commandments, which are, are, are in, in our minds as maybe the, the important ones that were given. But there was many, many others. But even if you just take the ten and think, which is the most important? And the Lord's reply was love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And your neighbour is yourself. That's the second one. It was love. And what was the point of the law? The law was to establish in the hearts of mankind a love for God and his things and to trust him so that it would help establish them so that when the coming of the seed in the promise who would go to Calvary and die for them, die for us, all the nations would be blessed from that. But the law itself could not redeem mankind. And of course, Satan used that. And by the time the Lord came, the people of Israel in particular were so distorted in their minds with the law that they'd they'd taken it and they'd twisted it and they'd got it all upside down and there was no love there amongst most of them. They had no love there. It wasn't the love of God they were doing it. They were doing it because they wanted to be righteous in their own eyes and the eyes of their own people. And therefore, it was not something that was going to be justified before God. And people, particularly the Pharisees, were just hypocrites. And many of them were. So the promise of the seed was between God and God. The promise of the law, 
when it came was between God and man and man could not keep his end of it and that's why there was never any possibility that the law of Moses could redeem mankind. Romans 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death and Hebrews 9 it talks about apart from the shedding of blood there can be no remittance of sin. That makes it quite clear that the the law of Moses cannot save anyone. And so when we go back to this particular uh, section in Galatians, when we're talking about the the feeding that that was coming in, that uh, this false teaching, that uh, justification was not just by faith, it was by the law as well. And they needed to introduce circumcision or they needed to introduce different things from the law and that was why it was questioned that really if that's the case if you cannot be righteous except through the law then nobody can be righteous there is no hope and Christ died for nothing and if that's the case then the promise of God to Abraham falls down as well and the whole thing collapses. So it cannot be true. And this is what Paul was teaching here. And he's making it very clear. Comparing the promise with the law. Let's just turn to Hebrews chapter 2. <clears throat> Hebrews 2. And just the first few verses. We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed 